millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, and welcome to the Living History UK podcast, a podcast for the discerning and knowledge-hungry historians out there. You can support our podcast and get much more from Living History UK by joining our Patreon from just £1. And by doing so, you'll be a part of an ever-growing community and really help to make a difference as we strive to keep history alive. But for now, enjoy this podcast. Hello and welcome to the Living History UK podcast. Today, myself and Dom are going to be talking about walking the battlefields. So as living historians, um, we always try and go to the battlefields that uh, in the time periods that we portray, just to try and enhance that better understanding and we're going to talk this evening is is it vitally important to go to these battlefields or is it not um so that's what we're going to talk about this evening so dom how you doing mate oh i've been better pete <laughs> no of course you've not been a well boy have you no i haven't i'm currently <coughs> atmospheric cough um on the back end of a chest infection but other than that i'm i'm marvelous well, you're so, doing much better than you was last week, mate. You, <laughs> you really are. I was not a well man at all. No, <laughs> you was not. Not at all. So let's start off with um, the battlefields that we've been to. So um, you've been to a battlefield or two in your time, Dom. So uh, just give us a quick rundown on the battlefields that you've visited. Oh, good grief. Well... <clears throat> So your usual suspects, such as, you know, around Wipers, your Passchendaele Ridge and uh, Zonnenbeek and, you know, all, all those um, fun places um, where um, pa- um, yeah, Passchendaele itself. Um, uh, I haven't actually been to the Somme. As uh, ashamed as I am to say, I have never actually been to the Somme. Um, Normandy, you know, Sword, Sword Beach, Juno Beach... Omaha Beach, of course, Pont de Hoc, um, uh, of, uh, Pegasus Bridge, of course, you know, as, uh, for the county's sake, I, of course, have to go there. Um, I haven't been to Naseby, where else? Um, I've, I've been to Chalgrove, of course, that's seen as Chalgrove is only 15 minutes down the road from me, it'd be a little bit rude not to. Uh, I've been to Oxford, I used to work there, was, of course, big big to the siege of Oxford during the English Civil War. Uh, Walling, Wallingford Castle, which was, uh, which was besieged twice uh, during the Great Anarchy. If which for those who know what the Great Anarchy is, it was besieged twice, uh, well, once then. Um, and then it was also besieged during the English Civil War. 
So, yeah, there's Wallingford and, of course, Edge Hill. So those are really the... Um, oh, and, of course, uh, Plug Street Wood. I cannot... Can't forget Plug Street Wood and of course Nonny Bosch. So yeah, those so those those battlefields I've been to. It's not a, mo- a modest amount, but I can imagine not um, not as vast in quantity as what you've been to, Peter. To be fair, mine pretty much mirrors yours. Um, I, I, I'm a uh, I I specialise with First World War. I specialise with Eeps. So before the uh, world imploded on itself um i was going over to eeps about three maybe four times a year and uh pretty much i've been to all the places that you mentioned over in eeps salient um i did go down to the Somme once but the Somme doesn't really interest me you know i'm interested in it and i've learned about it for the purpose of doing living history every um, every every man and their dog bleats on about it and so it just sort of loses a bit of interest i imagine that's what's same here for me. Yeah, absolutely, and that's and that's why I don't shy away from it. I just don't focus my time on it um, as much, just for that reason. Because, like you said, Dom, it, everyone goes on about the Somme all the time, but you know, it, there's more going on up in Wipers, as far as I was concerned. As far as I'm concerned, um, you know, there's what well, five, five battles of Eeps, plus everything that was going on in between. Um, I've oh, done we- Normandy as well. Um, so yeah, done done the main sites in Normandy. Done a, spent a little bit of time around uh, Ranville and obviously Pegasus Bridge because that's where the second Turnocks and Bucks were. Uh, I've done Arnhem quite a few times as well. Uh, going back to my airborne recce days because the airborne reconnaissance fought in Arnhem. Um, yes, yeah, so I forgot to mention Arnhem as well. I used to do a couple of tours with cadets there. I used to take the kids around. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Oh, you used to do the march, didn't you, Dom? You used to do the Nijmegen march. Uh, not not Nijmegen, no. I used to do the Arnhem one, which is a little bit more, uh, less, a little bit shorter, a uh, bit more so, bit more social. Uh, that was a, uh, but I'll get get onto that in a little bit. Um, yeah, and uh, Waterloo. I've been to Waterloo probably about four times now, um, and then. On uh, UK soil, Naseby, Edge Hill. I went to Bosworth when I was a kid. I can't really remember it, but where they say the Battle of Bosworth was isn't actually where it was. It's like two fields in the other direction or something like that. Um, Cropperty as well, because obviously Cropperty's right next door to me. So you had the Battle of Cropperty Bridge. Um, and, that's, and that's about it, because I, I'm for... Uh, for for the UK, I'm I'm very not limited. I just haven't got myself out there um, to go and see to see the UK battlefields really because that's not because usually it's not something I've uh, sort of specialised in. But so that, so we've been to a few places, uh, me and you. Um, so as living historians, do you think it's important for us to actually go to these battlefields to walk them um, to enhance that knowledge? Or do you feel that we can easily do that from the comfort of our own home or watching uh, watching YouTube or something <laughs> of, you know, <laughs> other, other, other media platforms are available? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I would, I wouldn't say it's imperative to do so, but I would say that 
to it's, it's so 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 strongly recommended uh, to do um you know uh, visits to the battlefield because um you know as just as a living historian you then sort of you get a further understanding of what the blokes who you're trying to portray where they're coming from so you know you take for instance Pete so we've both gone to Arnhem and so you um so you know the great big fields outside of Osterbeek where all, where the gliders landed and where um the um, uh, drop zone number one was um, on the on this. It's great big um, for those who have been to Thetford and haven't been to Arnhem. Um, the field there's a great big expanse of woodland outside of Thetford, and there's an outside of that um, set of woodland. There's a great big set of open space, which is where they filled bits of Dad's army. But yeah, so that's very reminiscent of what the landing zone, one of the landing uh, the glider landing zone, and also yeah, landing zone number one at Arnhem was like. Um, is like even and so you you can sort of get an understanding of also the space and you've you've got to think you can sort of then start to build up a picture in your head of you know there's you know there was about two how two hundred odd gliders or what have you and the confined space they were sort of landing in you know you've got these gliders starting piling up on each other and then you sort of then obviously as the battle goes on as as you know those who know um, where the Germans find out the positions of the landing. Uh, the la- the landing um, the drop zones, obviously they ambush the blokes whilst they're still in midair. So you can sort of understand then once you're you know you've got your boots on the ground where where exactly you know you're getting fire from, and you can then start to build up this mental picture. And it's this and again using another Arnhem reference, it's um, when you're going along the the north the the north, most northern route along the railway line, there was a position where the where the SS NCO school dug in on a hill next to the railway line, and you can still act you can walk up to it now today, and sort of when you're walking down the side of the the railway lines you can get that picture in your head of you know when you, you're in the you're in the reconnaissance regiment in your jeep and you're heading down that railway line then you you know you start taking fire from that hill and you can then sort of you can start putting yourself in um <clears throat> in in their boots and from a living historian orient's point of view that's that's key for portrayal um where when you then we when it cycles back to engage with the public, you can then sort of go, you know, this is sort of, you know, you can speak with a little bit more authority than what you had previously. Yes, you can read it in a book, whatever you, but when you actually stand in a place looking at whatever obstacle you're supposed to be taking, um, obviously minus any enemy and enemy combatants, you can, you have a much greater understanding um, of, of what the blokes would have been feeling because you can see it for yourself. And it's, it sort of harks back to what we were talking about the other day with immersive events and what have you, it, it, you because you're actually there looking at the um, the obstacles um, yourself, you you just have this greater understanding. So it's important, um, but not really imperative because there are quite a few battlefields that we can't exactly access. So I'm not expecting you, if you're a scholar of the Mesopotamian campaign, during the Great War, I'm not expecting you to go out to Iraq, um, in between, you know, the odd ISIS attack, and uh, study the battlefields and do a tour outside of Kut El Amara. But it's um, the, you know, places that you can get to. It's, I'd say, yeah, it's just, it is, you know, it's important for a living historian's perspective, but it's not really imperative. Yeah, I agree. The 
because uh, the, the other the other restraint that you've got as well is obviously depending on what uh era that you're specializing in that area could have changed a lot in that time frame um you know you can just take take ronville um in normandy where the uh, sixth airborne landed a lot of the landing zones now where the gliders landed does that most of those are housing estates now um and then you know you can go to the first world war yes there's some preserved sites um but most of it all went back to the plow probably i'd say 95 just over 95 percent of it all got returned back to the plow and you know you can't turn up there and you can't see loads of trenches um to get that sort of perspective in your head to where those trenches were and all that all you can look at is the ground so when it's coming to that sort of thing like the first world war or somewhere that's been developed is knowing the subject of that area but that's one of those you've got to purposely research that so what i mean by that is as i say again we go back to first world war go somewhere like railway wood so railway wood was a strategic point for us it was the last piece of high ground before eeps and we held on to that tooth and nail and we held it um you go up there now if you go into the woods itself there's a lot of evidence of uh mining activity so countermining and actual uh mine craters in there not to the scale of like lock de gar and hawthorn crater but they're still craters and they're still in there so that's still got a bit of a, a preserved element to it, but all there is is a few craters in there. Um, so really all you've got to look at is the ground because um, the ground does not change. Obviously the environment changes because it's all gone back to plough and trees have regrown, etc. But the ground and how it undulates hasn't changed in 100 years. It's just the surroundings have changed. So you've got to try and put that mental, so armed with the knowledge beforehand, so you got your truck. So if you've gone over there with a trench map, um, read into the diary entries, etc., you can stand there on that point and go, "I understand now. I understand why this was so important." Um, or in other in other instances as well, where they could say like, um, "There's a, another place up in Eeps called uh, Tower Hamlets," and the blokes who took Tower Hamlets, um, it was a bloodbath and. When you go to Tower Hamlets, you look at it and you go, actually, yeah, I can see why that was a bloodbath because the ground hadn't changed. So all you're doing is, is you're just putting yourself into that sort of tactical mindset of why was this bloodbath? Well, it's blatantly obvious why it was a bloodbath because the Germans had very dominating ground and incorporating that with fortifications as well. That's not going to be any picnic, even in, in today's standards, if even if, with it back as a green field, Put those um, elements back in place. You can see, you can you can kind of get that picture in your head to what was actually going on. And like with Arnhem, so you go to my shock when I went to Arnhem was how close everything is together. Because when you like look at the documentaries, watch the films, you think things happened um, miles and miles away. But go somewhere like Arnhem, you literally got to go half a mile. Something happened there, another half a mile. another um, action happens. So it's constant. Um, That's what shocked me the most. And I learned quite a lot from that when I did my very first trip over to Arnhem. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When I say, as you mentioned earlier about doing the march, so those who don't know, the, uh, the, the memorial march for it is basically the route, the route that you take is made up of the three different routes that um, what they were supposed to take. And sort of how I sort of fit, it's almost like that impending sense of doom when you start off. Well, because I, I, I used to do walks independent of of the marches anyway as well. So you you sort of when you start off at the um at the at the, at the drop zone, uh, the land the landing zone, and then you sort of start walking towards Rencom and Oosterbeck. It's sort of you do get this sort of you know armed with the knowledge that you have the battle that you have. It's you do you get that sense of impending doom um <clears throat> and sort of like you when you're reading about the stuff how they were going through all these lines and going through all these quaint little uh you know quaint little streets which osterbeck and well more rencom it uh, is it's very sort of quaint there and, and a lot of the houses are, are still there um obviously they're a little bit more rebuilt but the um the, the houses you know more or less in the same places and so, so you can bit start building this, and then the further and further you go towards the bridge, obviously, all sort of you build up this picture of almost as an impending sense of doom. But again, hindsight is marvelous. But yeah, as you say, Pete, um, as well with how stuff sort of changes. I mean, like you take, for instance, Wallingford, um, like Wallingford Castle. Well, that's now right in the middle of Wallingford. <laughs> you know, the big, the big town that it is. So. Um, so yeah, it's you, you do obviously have to take stuff like that into account, and yeah, it will just do your research first before you start going in there, and you need to arm yourself and prepare yourself mentally for going. Obviously, that you need to know that stuff's going to be changing, going to be different. Yeah, and the other thing as well is, as a living historian, going to these places at the time of year that these events happened as well. Uh, the reason I say that is because. Again, that gives you that better idea because you're in the same sort of weather conditions as what they, you know, it may have been raining that day, but it's you're there at that time of year. So it gives you a bit more of a feeling for it. Um, so like um, when I did Arnhem, um, I went, I used to go over for the commemorations. Um, so we used to do the march to the bridge. So we'd actually be in um, full battle order and we'd march. Well, the march originally used to start from, uh, the drop zone uh, out by Ginkle uh, to the bridge. But then time I started it, they started it only from the Hartenstein because too many people were dropping out. But we used to always start from the drop zone. So we'd start from the drop zone, get to the Hartenstein, 
meet up with all the others, then march to the bridge. Um, so that small contingent of us, we actually done the full eight, nine mile from the drop zone to the bridge in um, in full marching order with ammo boots as well. No DMS here. <laughs> um that also that that was a really good sort of living history experience as well because you've walked that route. So we walked the route uh, to Paratook on the line route to uh, to the bridge. Obviously, the only thing on top of that is we weren't being shot at, and it didn't take us about six hours to get get into the uh, get into this into uh, Arnhem. But we're there at that time of year. The weather was about right. And we're wearing it and doing that route as well. So it kind of, you know, it gives you that. Again, it's that living history thing. You're putting yourself in their shoes. And the same with uh, yourself and I, Dom, Prowse Point, when we've done the Christmas truce, we've always been there the week before Christmas. So we, we've we been in the trip, we were in that trench in the same conditions that those blokes have been having to put up with at that time of year as well so yeah yeah minus three um so yeah those experiences uh from a living history's perspective it does give you that real feeling because you're because you're going through that you're you're there in that weather cycle at that same time of year as what they would have done so again that gives you that bit more that knowledge and um and better, much, much better understand. I've learned loads from doing it, um, especially when I've done living history stuff in those countries, all those battlefields at that time of year, because it, it does put you more in touch with the with the men that had to do it for real. So with that aside, Dom, there's obviously um we can't you can't go everywhere. Um, like myself, uh, it's it, easy to do, but it's just cost, isn't it? Um I'd love to go to Vietnam um because I, I i do do uh vietnam living history um i'd i'd really like to go and have a look around vietnam um i've researched enough to get an understanding but i want to go over there to feel that humidity and that heat um and go through like, the tr- go along those trails and go right just need to put hundred pound on me back and I'll get on a better idea what these lads were doing for their year tour over in Vietnam. I wouldn't and do it get... in kit though. <laughs> no, I wouldn't go. Yeah, I wouldn't do it in kit. No, no, not at all. But you know, even if you're just wearing loose, loose cotton clothing, you'd get a really good idea of um what those blokes went through on that side. But that's 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 the living history side of things. It's you getting that better understanding of um of what those blokes went through. Like the other, the other thing, the other place I'd like to go, I'd love to go to America. Um, I'd like to go to Gettysburg. Um, that is on my buckets list. One day I will get to Gettysburg. Um, because I have an interest. I have a, I do have an interest in the American civil war, my, my dark secret. <laughs> so those two, so for me to get over there, it's just, it's just, the, it's just the financial restraint of getting myself. Cause I'd want to go over there for a good period of time. Um, so yeah, but there's also other places in the world where you just can't access it because I know there's a place you'd like to go to, Dom. Um, but you can't get there just because of uh, the, the situation over there, yeah. So, um, so there's, there's a couple of places, so, um, so going over to um, 
to Macedonia or, or northern Macedonia, as it's now called, to go into the, the battlefronts of the Salonika campaign. The issue is, is if you go out there to do a battlefield tour, you have to get on a very on a pre-organised battlefield tour. You can't just go on with your guidebook and walk it yourself. And the reason why is because um, because of the the refugee uh, situation in that part of the world, basically the the northern Macedonian border guards will shoot at you because they think that you're Syrian refugees trying to cross the border from Greece. So that's uh, it's generally generally not a not a good place. And uh, well, you can do it. There are battlefield tours that do it, but it's just very pricey. I think it's about nine grand at the minute uh, for one of these organized tours um oh yeah so and of course um you know um zimbabwe that'd be a very interesting place to go but um going to zimbabwe and saying oh i'm on a battlefield tour i really don't think would go down well with the locals or the local police um <laughs> so um yeah so obviously I, i'd like obviously of course i'd like to do that but um you know there, uh, and also like what I said, the um, as I said earlier, um, you know, going going to Mesopotamia, and doing you know going going to Kutelamara and, and Basra and what have you, and seeing those places, um, of course, is a little bit impractical at the minute, a minute because of ISIS. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that'll be a bit 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 dodgy going over there to try and do one of those, wouldn't it? But yeah, the um... I'll tell you somewhere I'd, I would like to go, and that which is actually quite manageable. Um, Italy would be a place I'd like to go. Go to uh, southern Italy um, to follow Albert. I remember we did the uh, book review um, about the D-Day Dodger by Albert Darlington. Would be old to big Al. follow old Big Al, um, to sort of follow his tracks a little bit. So go from Salerno upwards to uh, Naples. And then obviously, and then sort of finish off at the Gothic line because that's where he ended up. So I wouldn't mind going over there doing that. And again, from a living history point of view as well, you know, all the Italy veterans said it's like you're you're either fighting over a mountain or a river. And you know, you see a lot of archive footage, a lot of photographs of all you know of that. You know, yeah, that's, that's very believable. But then going over there, and then you go, actually, yeah, it is. It's literally a mountain, then a river, then a mountain. <laughs> Then another river, and then going up them and across them as well. So it's like, so yeah, I, that's something I'd like to do would be to go to Italy as well. Oh yeah, same same here, Pete. That would be again. It's just it's just cost. Maybe one day, Peter. But as um, I can't remember who we'll said try, it. We'll try and have a jolly boys out into Italy. <laughs> I don't you know. Margate's a bit doable. I think going to Naples for a jolly boys out it may be a bit. I mean, Butlin's a bit of a stretch, but crikey. I think to go there, you can then you can then have an even more understanding. Again, like what I said back to Arnhem and, and what I said earlier is, you know, you can read up stuff, you can see it, watch this archive footage, but when you can only really get yourself a true understanding of, of, of how difficult it was to actually fight in such an environment is actually to put put your boots on the ground and, and see it for yourself. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you can't reenact or... Or you cannot do an impression based on somewhere you can't get to. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that it just helps in general, um, and he's again strongly encouraged. <clears throat> yes, I, I strongly agree. The you know we're we're not you know we're please while you're listening to this, don't think that uh, 
you know, if you can't visit one of the battlefields that you're specialising, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. <laughs> um, all we're saying is is that it helps. Um, and it does give you that better understanding. Um, from an educational point of view as well. So obviously you get school trips going off to all these places, which is fantastic because that is keeping history alive. Because, um, you know, it's up for some living historians, uh, reenactors, those memories is sometimes how they got into this, you know, going on those school trips to uh, Naseby or indeed going over to the Western Front uh, with their school or cadets um, gives them that first for it. So, from an educational point of view, absolutely. From a living history point of view, highly recommended, but I wouldn't say it's overly important that you actually make it out there to one of those battlefields. Yeah, Pete, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. It's, um, um, yeah, it just, it's, it's, it's important, but it's not that overly important. It just, it just gives you a better understanding as a living historian, really. So that's sort of my stance on it. Yeah, so we're both singing off the same hymn sheet, so to speak. And I think that that brings it to a nice natural end of this podcast, I think, Dom. Agreed, Peter. So thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. And if you'd like to support us in the work that we do, please consider either becoming a patron or even giving us a one pound, uh, one pound, a, a one-off donation via PayPal, and all the links will be below. But until next time, keep history alive. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to support it, then why not send us a PayPal donation? All donations help us pay to host the podcast and for us to create new content for your enjoyment. Furthermore, if you would like to submit a question or even a subject matter for the podcast, join Patreon and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. The links are in our bio. Until next time, keep history alive.